So I want to know, did anyone bring their Christmas present to church with them? Anyone bring their Christmas present to church? What did you bring? A ring and your shoes, Cara. Oh, cool. Your mom is holding it for you. Anyone else? Anyone on this side? Come on, guys. You didn't bring presents to church? Nick, yes. Gosh, that looks complicated, bro. <laughs> he brought Eden. What did you bring? Watch and shoes. And the other Eden also brought some shoes. And where's the other Eden? And she brought a nice top. And she got headphones. And that's going to be a problem when people need to listen. But there we go. And anyone else? Okay, I brought some Christmas presents. Some socks. You know, dads get socks at Christmas. <laughs> Best dad ever is the one. So I know those are controversial. Sorry, dads, but that's what I got. I suppose I'm the best dad my kids have ever had. So uh, there we go. <laughs> so knock, knock. I'm Gladys. I'm glad it's Christmas. Okay, now this one is very difficult, so you've got to concentrate, okay? In what year does New Year's Day come before Christmas? Every year, who got that? Who got that? There we go. Well done. Okay. Every year, New Year's Day comes before Christmas. I'll leave you to think about it. You can ask a friend. Okay. <laughs> so, our story we've been looking at over the last while, and if you're joining us, I'm going to just have to rely for the sake of mercy and time that you know something of the story. And we heard, and we've seen it earlier, how Mary and Joseph had to travel for many months, even, I mean, for a long time, many days, even though Mary was about to have a baby and they hadn't booked an Airbnb. And when they reached Bethlehem, the town was so full they had to stay there with all the cows and the donkeys. And there we read in the children's Bible, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave his wonderful gift. It's even better than these socks. The baby that would change the world was born. Think about that. The baby that would change the world was born. God's son. And so Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and they used some cloths. And they used the animal feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift. Wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger, and they gave him the name Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us. Because, of course, he had. God had come. And they gave him the name Jesus, and this is where we're picking up this morning, which means the Lord saves. In the Old Testament, it's the word Yeshua. We get the name Joshua means the Lord saves. So the first point I want to make this morning, very briefly, is God is reaching out to save. God is reaching out to save. And God himself comes to do the outreaching. Now the main idea here goes back to the Old Testament, near the beginning of the Old Testament, there's a book called Exodus. And there we discover the children of Israel 
They've gone down to Egypt. Initially, it was to be spared from a famine, but then after many, many, many years, in like 400 years, things have gone really badly. And now they were slaves. And God had promised these people, and he's meeting with Moses, and he tells Moses, I'm going to stretch out my hand to save. I'm going to reach out to save. And so God reached out and fought for them in signs and wonders and in a fight that they could never win against an empire that was so much bigger than them, that had controlled them and dominated. But God promises, I'm going to stretch out my hand. I'm getting involved. I'm stepping in. I'm going to fight for my people. And I'm coming to save you from captivity under Pharaoh. Those would have been the kinds of ideas. when. And so Joshua, Moses' protege, an understudy, that was the name. People understood that salvation meant being rescued from a power that's going to make our lives really hard. And so God came with signs and wonders. He reached out, and there were miracles. At least three things. The, he defeats the Egyptian empire and its army. He defeats the powers and the gods behind that empire. The ten plagues all corresponded to one of, we now know, the Egyptian deities. So, for example, when the sun went black, they believed that Ra was the sun god. So if you could switch off the sun, you were in charge of that god. They believed Pharaoh was a god, and, when, and Pharaoh's son was a god. When that sun died, and so each one of those, they, they believed the river Nile was a god. And so God showed his power over the gods. So they defeated the empire. They defeated the army. They defeated the gods and powers behind the army. And then the hardest victory, they defeated this, they had to defeat, God had to defeat the slavery mindset inside the people themselves. And that took 40 years. <laughs> the other just took a few weeks. But it took a long time for people to start thinking about themselves as God's people, thinking about themselves differently. You see, when God comes to save, he wants you to see yourself differently. And the angels sang that when God comes, there's peace, there's hope, and there is goodwill towards people on whom his favor rests. God wants his favor to rest on you, not his anger. Like, is that news? We often read the circumstances of our lives as if they're the tea leaves in a cup, and we're trying to guess whether or not God likes us. If stuff goes badly, then we, you know, he obviously doesn't like me anymore. No, no. The message that we see here, God is reaching out to save. And so these idols, these gods of Egypt are defeated. These allies, their allies in Pharaoh and his army, well, they get knocked out and these slave drivers. And those who have been horrible and unfair to Israel, their power is broken. Because God has reached out to save. That would have been the background. When people heard the name Jesus, when they heard the name Yeshua, Joshua, they were thinking God is coming to fight. God is coming to save. But then in Matthew chapter 1 verse 20 and 21, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a dream and he said to him, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you to give him the name Jesus, Yeshua. And then he explains the reason. Because he will save his people. Ah, great. We're going to overthrow the Roman Empire, because now the empires had switched. And we're going to see them get squished and squashed. And we're going to be set free, and we're going to win the fight. He's come to save his people. But he didn't finish the sentence there. Anyone know how he finished the sentence? From their sins. I mean, the first time it was the sins of Pharaoh and his slave drivers and his army and how unfair it was. But these people have to face up to the fact that they've sinned. You see, in Exodus, it was about being saved from the bad guys. But now suddenly, when Jesus comes, I realize maybe I'm one of the bad guys. My sins are a problem. Not just their sins. My sins are a problem. You see, the big problem is not always out there. Sometimes the problems that most need fixing in our lives are the problems in here. Jesus said, out of your heart, your mouth speaks. Out of the inside comes the stuff that really causes you chaos. We often think of the problem out there and say, oh, God, come and save. God, come and fix. God, come and sort this out. And God is coming to save, but he's coming to save the problem in here. Let me tell you about a young man called Miroslav. Who can say Miroslav? Miroslav. Miroslav was a young man who lost lots of friends and lots of family 30 years ago in a terrible war. Miroslav, well, his people were killed in a city called Sarajevo. Some of us will remember. And the saddest thing was that the people who had killed his friends and his family and had injured them and driven them away were also friends and neighbors but they happen to look slightly differently and speak a different language. And so instead of being able to live together, these people had begun to fight with each other in a terrible, terrible war. Now, Miroslav had loved and followed Jesus since he was a baby boy. Well, since he was little. And now he had to work out, what do I do with this evil that's going on around me? What did Jesus want him to do here? And he reread his Bible. And he was absolutely certain that God was sending Jesus for the weak and the poor and the broken and the hurting, which must mean people like him. The oppressed people being treated very badly. And then he realized that Jesus' first message was to these people. Repent. You need to be saved from your sin. Like Jesus will fight. We'll get to that in point number three. But don't miss the fact that Jesus was preaching good news to the oppressed and to the poor. And to them, he said, you need to pray, Father, forgive us our sins. And then even harder, says Miroslav, was the second half of that sentence in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins as we forgive them who sinned against us. It seems so wrong 
to be facing all this sorrow and pain and loss and oppression, to be facing empire all over again and have to start in here. Can't God just sort out the problem out there? But you see, his name is Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. That's where it's got to start. That's where real freedom begins. Israel struggled with the fact that even though they got away from Egypt and they got their own land, that they kept self-destructing in their journey towards God. You know, today, Miroslav Volf is one of the most famous theologians in the whole world. No, that means nothing to 99% of you. But, and he firmly believes that the gospel's got everything to do. He's, in fact, he's the professor of public theology at Yale University. But he discovered that nothing good is going to happen in public until it first starts to happen in me. That the Jesus who comes to save and set us free from empire and all that stuff is the Jesus who first saves me from myself. But Miroslav doesn't stop there. Make no mistake. Because neither does Jesus. You see, the point number three, God is, God is reaching out to save. God is reaching out to save us from our sin. Point number two. And point number three, dark powers, bad people, they still no match for God's outstretched arm. Maybe you want to do a word study in the Bible on the word stretch. It's very exciting. You see again and again. Sometimes it describes how God stretches out the heavens. In other words, he's the creator. He's the God who made you. He's the God who loves you. He's the God who is infinite. But most times it means that God is getting involved. He's reaching out. God is reaching out. So if we can skip a few chapters from um, Luke and jump to Acts, same author, we go to Acts chapter 4, we find the Exodus story again. Except this time, it's not Moses and Aaron. It's a different group of people, but they're living, in, they're in front of the powers, they're in front of the pharaohs of the day. It's actually Peter and John. They're being persecuted, threatened, and they're standing trial because they healed a lame man. Hello? Like they healed a man who was lame. Everyone saw, everyone was amazed. The guy went hopping and skipping in church, which you shouldn't do. No, of course you can do it. But, you know, it was this kind of amazing, amazing thing. And people, they bring him in and they asked, they asked a really poor question. But, of course, it was a great question. They said, we demand to know by what power, by what name did you do that? Imagine, there's Peter and John. By what power? <laughs> By what name? He says, and Peter suddenly felt the filling of the Holy Spirit. Because someone had called on a name. Someone had called on a power. And there he's standing in front of the pharaohs of his day who, who don't want someone healed and who don't want someone whole and who don't want someone set free. And he's asked, what's the name? What's the power that's bringing the change? Peter says to them, rulers, he's calling on the powers. Elders, elders of all the people, 
We are being called to account today for an act of kindness. You must know something is wrong in the world when kindness becomes illegal. When you can't welcome someone into your home because of the color of their skin or the language they speak. Something's wrong in the world when kindness is wrong. This man who was lame, now we being challenged as to how he was healed. You want to know how? You and all the people of Israel will then know this. It is by the name of Jesus. The Lord saves. Jesus, Messiah. The other Christmas name. This meant the anointed king. Jesus, the God who saves the anointed king of Nazareth. Now that's a real letdown. It's like saying from Pitson of Arthur, okay? It's like from the middle of nowhere. Not quite Craddock, but, you know, close. <laughs> Jesus Christ of Nazareth. What's more, you crucified him. But God raised him from the dead. And as evidence, this man stands before you healed. What did the powers do? Well, they asked themselves, verse 16, I mean, they don't know how to find kindness and healing and love. What do you do against that? I mean, Pharaoh knew how to fight some of the stuff, but you know, now there's a different way of fighting. So they ask, verse 16, what are we going to do with these men? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they've performed a wonderful, miraculous sign. We can't deny it, but we've got to stop this thing from spreading. And so they forbade them. They told them they couldn't do anything in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John said to them, Essentially, well, you, you go figure out who should we listen to, God or, or, or just people? Because actually, you're just people. Now, does the thing, when they go and pray a little bit later, on their release, Peter and John go to the, to the believers. And they tell them everything that these head honchos had said. And they begin to pray, Sovereign Lord. In other words, King God. Dear King God, we are coming to you. You're the one who made the heavens. You're the one who stretched out the skies and the earth and the sea and everything there. And people are going to take their stand. I'm jumping a little bit, but against the Lord and his Messiah. And then listen to this, how the powers and the people cooperate. Then Herod and Pontius Pilate met together. So that's the Jewish leaders, the political leaders. The military, political, Roman leaders, and the power that they represent. So the religious power, the empire power. And they met together with the nations, the Gentiles, with the people of Israel. Everybody literally coming against your holy servant Jesus, the one you anointed, your king. And they did to him what your power and purpose had decided beforehand. But now... Consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They see themselves standing in front of the pharaohs of the world and the people of the world, and they don't want to be silent about the good news they carry. And then they pray this. So stretch out your hand to heal. Stretch out your hand to save. Stretch out your hand to perform signs and wonders. 
You see, you're still the God who's reaching out. You're still the God who's getting involved in a world of sorrow and pain where empire is breaking lives. You're still the God who's breaking through. You're still the God who's breaking in. But I need the worship team to help me finish because we're going we're gonna to sing in a moment about what the application of this is. What are we to do? Because God is reaching out. The first thing we need to recognize is God is reaching out and God has reached out. God has given us a picture in the book of Exodus. He's given us a picture again and again in David's life and and the kingship in, in, in the Old Testament. Too many to go to. God is reaching out. God is reaching out to save. Maybe for some of you this morning, it's just finding faith again to believe that God is willing and wanting to save. But you know, if you're going to get to the place of public theology, one of the things you have to do is go with the man called Miroslav and recognize that the first thing I've got to do is be saved from my sin. Call him Jesus. He will save his people from there sins. You see, we've all sinned. We've all messed up. We all need to be saved from ourselves. Jesus can do that. Jesus can set us free from the idols and the things that we've tied ourselves to. And we can walk with Him. And then we can see when we've allowed Him that work in us, like Peter and John, We can see him work through us. You see what happened in the backstory. They're about to pray, Lord, stretch out your hand. But something had happened. Beginning of Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, they go to the temple. And as they're going into the temple, there's the beggar man. And he's crippled. His legs and his feet are shriveled. His ankles won't work. And, And he's expecting money. And Peter turns to him and he says, silver and gold. I haven't got for you, but what I do have, I'm going to give you in the name of Jesus, the Lord saves, of Nazareth, get up, walk. Listen to this. It's a big application, everyone. Don't miss this. Then Peter stretched out his hand, took the man, and he became strong. See, God is going to heal our world through us when we reach out. When we let the Spirit of God on us this Christmas and more. In other words, we deal with the darkness, but then we let the light shine. And so when joy comes, when healing comes, joy comes when freedom comes. And so the man begins to hop, skip, and jump through the temple. Everyone's going, wow. Wow, wow, because the Lord is come. The Lord is come.